hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Just stick the tip in. Blow your whole wad. Are we talking about money? As a matter of fact, yes. It's your Queer Money host, David, back with the second installment of our four-week discussion on the four principles of a debt-free life. This week, our show is brought to you by our free spending analysis spreadsheet that you can find on our site. Check out the show and then go get the tool. Also, please subscribe to the show on iTunes so you don't miss another episode. Now, on with the show. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. Okay, let's see if this card goes through for that $8,000 drink. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody wants to be a part of the in-crowd. Everybody wants to to look good. My my decision was, I'm not a victim. I'm not going to stay and work someplace where this is a problem. Normally, we don't drink on queer money, but because we're talking about a subject that David is rather vanilla on... Grab a glass of wine, because you're listening to Queer Money with the Debt-Free Guys. This is the only show helping our community do more and be more by talking about money from the queer perspective. Alrighty, welcome back to another episode of Queer Money. If you joined us last week, you will remember that we are in the midst of a four-week series talking about the four principles of a debt-free life. And last week, we covered the principle be money conscious and what that involves and this week we're going to be covering the second principle which is live below your means ah, something no, that, right? you do that. <laughs> exactly <laughs> something that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily feel is uh, is uh, something that they want to do uh, just a reminder that each one of these episodes is being brought to you by a free downloadable tool that you can find on the Debt Free Guys website attached to the show notes for each page. And this week, we are giving you a spending analysis worksheet that can help you regularly check up where you're spending and how you can stay on track. That being said, this whole idea of living below your means, it kind of sounds outdated and old-fashioned. I mean, it sounds like something that your mom and dad say, oh, live below your means. But the reality is, is that if you know any individual who is wealthy, that has a lot of money, they are doing exactly this. No one gets wealthy without living below their means. We know a lot of people and know a lot of people who know a lot of people who make a lot of money, but they live below, they live beyond their means and therefore they're in debt. So whether you have a four digit salary a five-digit salary or a six or seven-digit salary, you can always live beyond your means and then be buried in debt. Right. I can't help but in this situation think of the story of the gentleman who passed away, I think it's been about two years ago now, who lived his life as a, his job was a janitor at a local high school, and before that he worked as a serviceman at a gas station in this small town. He passed away, and when he passed away, his will and testament was uncovered, and he was granting $1.5 million to a local library and four, I think it was $4 million to $4.5 million to a local college. So here's a man who lived 
on a salary being made as a janitor in the public school system and a service person at a gas station. Obviously, two jobs that many of us would say that that individual doesn't make a whole lot of money, yet he amassed a fortune of $6 million. So, well, on the other, on the other end of the spectrum, you have all of those analogies of how many celebrities do we know who are, have gone broke, or after they, they pass away, you realize that they were actually broke. I mean, uh, MC Hammer is a prime example of that. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Kanye West is an example of, of living beyond his means, right? He right. he made that that a bad investment, and it seemed, he just seemed to be suffering the consequences so bad that he needed to reach out to Mark Zuckerberg, uh, who he wanted to get a loan from. Right. Um, or, and, or even, you know, we have examples of NBA and NFL stars, people who make uh, minimums, they're making hundreds of thousands. I think the, the NFL minimum is $175,000 a year. So these individuals are making six figures, and yet... We see so many stories of these individuals who, well, I think there was a recent story of yeah, someone. Close to 75% of all people who go into pro sports uh, leave their, their profession and end up broke. Right. And that's, you know, obviously, we only remember the people who you know, end up living the, the, the legacy. They're in their sport for several years, many years, and, and you know, they, they amass a fortune. And those people are the exceptions, not the norm. Most people who go into pro baseball, pro football, pro basketball, they um, only have a couple of years in that profession. Uh, they're not as skilled or as talented as, as some of the, the bigger names that we remember. And so they might only have one to five or six years in a particular profession, and they might not have actually been the star that you hear about week after week. They do make good money, but very often, unfortunately, more often than not, they, they, they leave their profession and they've, they've lost more than they've, than they've made. Exactly. And it, and it doesn't, that isn't necessarily the individuals who have just made uh, the low end of the spectrum when it comes to those sports. There, there's a story from last year, uh, former NBA star Vin Baker made over $100 million in the NBA. He is now working at Starbucks. He has no money left. <laughs> yeah, and that's all because he decided to live beyond his means. Right. I so, so you know we're not making you know we're lightheartedly talking about these people. Uh, it's it's not as funny to them as it, as it might be to us. But what the, what we're trying to portray is that regardless of how much you make, uh, very oftentimes, especially if, if you're in the lower uh, end of this income bracket, that you. You think that well, if I could only make more money, I could, you know, I wouldn't be in this situation, and that's a, a, that's not true. Simply not true. There are lots of people who who make a lot of money who lose a lot of money, and then they're in the very same financial situation that a lot of us who don't make a lot of money are in. So that that's but why I think that we were prime examples. You you heard our story last week of how we got into fifty one thousand dollars in credit card debt. We didn't do that by going out and blowing $50,000 or having a major medical expense, we were just living beyond our means on a regular basis. We're, we, on, a, on a monthly basis, we were spending hundreds of, of dollars more than we were bringing in, and that just continued to add up and add up and add up, and interest on top of that. That's what just happened. That's how we amassed fifty-one thousand dollars in credit card debt. Right. You know. So you know. Here we were. We told this, suggested this last week. We were two thirty-something financial services professionals telling people how to manage their money, and yet we were living beyond our our own income. And what we think, especially for the queer community, 
there's there's several reasons why we we in particular tend to live beyond our means, and that's not the, the topic of, of this particular show. But we do tell us the story that when we were spending beyond our means and living the party life, partying lifestyle that we were living, we would hang out with doctors and lawyers. We would go out and go clubbing and go partying and happy hours and whatnot with doctors and lawyers. And then here we were, two financial services professionals, so we were kind of in the in the in the middle of the income scale. And then we were also hanging out with, with people who worked in retail stores and were bartenders and waitresses. And we all hung out with each other. And while there's nothing wrong with the choice of career that people choose, there's no possible way that all of us could spend the same. But we all had the same clothing. We all went, traveled to the same places. We all had the same lifestyle, at least by outward appearances. But there's just simply no way that the person who worked at Gap or Abercrombie & Fitch could spend or have the same lifestyle as the person who was the attorney or the doctor. And that's, I think, a very common scenario that lots of LGBT, lots of queer people find themselves, where we're always trying to keep up with each other. Granted, the same thing happens you know, with the Joneses in the straight community, but it, I think it's very prevalent in the queer community very often because we're simply trying to make up for feeling less than or inadequate when we were younger, or so that we can so that we don't aren't kicked out of uh, a group with which we identify. We feel like we have to live up to their standards, otherwise they'll reject us. Right. It, it goes to show that a lot of this is mindset. It's a mentality of what's going on in my head that says that I have to, I have to spend ninety dollars on this Gucci belt so that my friends will like me. I have to have these seven hundred dollar Manola Blahnik shoes. I have to have David's quote Tony, he doesn't understand, but oh, you right. get the analogy. <laughs> I, I have to have right exactly. I have to have eleven hundred dollar Callaway golf clubs, or I have to go on this particular vacation and post the pictures all over Facebook and and uh, Instagram so that my friends will think that I'm a successful person. Success, you know, it's a, it's that outward display of success that so many people are trying to satiate with some sort of internal feeling. Right. Yeah. I mean, we were prime examples of that. They, we often tell when we're at speaking engagements or on, on being interviewed that the reason that we felt that we acquired or amassed our $51,000 worth of credit card debt was in large part for feeling like we were, we were making up for lost time. We had decades, you know, we came from a time and place when it wasn't okay to be gay. So we had decades of trying to make up for lost time. At the same time, we found our community when we were in our 20s and 30s, other queer people, and we really reveled in that, but we, we reveled a little bit too hard. And we wanted to make sure we weren't excluded from that community, so we felt like we had to spend accordingly so we could stay, uh, stay a part of that community. Right. I think we were at the perfect crossroads of wanting to feel a certain way and feeling like we were making enough money that we deserved to feel that way or that we would be able to make enough money to pay it off. You know, we kind of thought, oh, well, I'm making good money now. We had both started our careers and we were making decent money. We weren't making great money. We were making decent money. Um, but we were at a point where we said, oh, this is this will be easy. If I, you know, my, if I put this $1,200 vacation on my, on my credit card, I'll be able to pay it off this year. And we didn't. <laughs> so, oh, if I buy these $300 jeans, I'll be able to pay it off, pay them off next month. Well, next month you bought another pair of $300 jeans. Right. Or, you know, what, whatever it was. Unless you change that mindset, you're going to continue with the same habits. Right. And what's that, what's that great quote that you have uh, about anchoring your past year? 
Right. So I believe uh, that one of the things that I, I wish that I would have learned at a very early age, and, and I wish that my parents had taught me, was that buying on credit, when you buy on credit, you anchor your future earnings to your past. If I buy a dinner on credit, it's consumed, it's gone, it's down the toilet, and I haven't paid for it yet. If I buy a pair of jeans on credit, I wear them, the likelihood is they're not going to be paid off by the time I pay them. By the time I, they will be gone by the time I get them paid off. You know, there are so many instances of, and this is ex examples that I've seen in my personal, my, my own life, where I have, I look at my credit card state, looked at my credit card statements, I was like, what? Where did, what is all this money? Where did I spend all this money? And, you know, I started seeing all these nickel and dime purchases that I had been making that were long gone. I was paying for a bagel and coffee that I had consumed two and a half years ago <laughs> on a payment that I was making today. It sounds kind of like Wimpy from Popeye, if you're familiar with that. I'll pay, gladly pay you on Tuesday for a hamburger today. Well, that's the kind of mentality that I think a lot of us live with today. Yeah, but I think very often it's because we are the analogy of living up to the Joneses, whether it's Mr. and Mrs. Jones or Mr. and Mr. Jones or Mrs. and Mrs. Jones, right. we're always trying to keep up or live the lifestyle that we think other people expect of us. And you know, there's that famous quote that says, something that can't go on forever, it won't. It's physics. If it can't go on forever, it won't. And eventually you're going to hit rock bottom. And fortunately enough, David and I hit our rock bottom before we became we were financially ruined. Uh, and that's what this show is about. So hopefully we can help you feel fed up with your overspending or feel fed up with your debt and so you can turn things around before you hit financial ruin. Right. And that's what this whole series is about, in fact. Right. So what are some of the keys to living below your means? I think that John and I feel that probably the first one is understanding the difference between what you need and what you want. Because no matter who you are, you could probably come up with a list of a million dollars worth of wants. Mm. I, I know I could. I mean, easily. I, honestly, I could probably triple that because the first thing would be a brand new, beautiful, modern home, which would cost 800 to a million dollars here, 800,000 to a million dollars here in Denver. But the difference between need and, need and want and what do I need right now versus what do I want in the future? Will my needs right now be able to, satiating my needs right now, provide me with the opportunity to get what I want in the future? Yeah. You know, it's not a sexy principle. Nope. It, it doesn't, it's not, you know, it's not something that people, uh, you know, that wouldn't talk about or that really attracts a lot of attention. But the, the, the thing is, is that it's a very critical component of having a, a financially sound financial plan. Right. It, it, it's lived below your means. And, you know, when we were living our partying lifestyle, there would be weekends, Pride, for example, where we spend several thousand dollars preparing for during and after Pride, making up for it. And we didn't have thousands of dollars to spend on one weekend like that, but we did it anyway. And you know that eventually caught up with us. And then when we finally decided to live below our means, we realized, geez, we can go through a weekend actually and only spend $50. And the, the, the disparity between the weekends of thousands of dollars being spent and the weekends of spending $50. And in the, in the end, you know, we're much better off today with $50 weekends than we were with $1,000 weekends, right? Uh, we're, you know, like David said last week, we went from having a negative net worth of $10,000 to having a net worth, not including our home, of close to $500,000. 
And that is all because we went from living beyond our means to not living beyond our means. Right. And we did that roughly in about 10 years. One of the other things, and I think this is such a common occurrence, not just in the queer community, but in, in a lot of ways, a lot of people do this, is, and I'm going to use a, a few words, a few choice words here, but not blowing our whole wad on a good time. <laughs> you know, it's it's so easy to get sucked into a, a an experience. You know, we're, oh, it's it's happy hour, and that happy hour we throw down 60 bucks on drinks and then we say we want to go to dinner. Oh, and we go to dinner and we throw down 100, 150 dollars. And then we go out after that for drinks and dancing and you know, all of a sudden what was supposed to be a happy hour that cost you 20 bucks is now an evening that's cost you 350. Now that may not be the case for everyone, but there's plenty of of, of experiences that you can do that with, you know, going on vacation and what was supposed to be a simple, nice, fun vacation at the beach all of a sudden turn into an experience vacation that has cost you $7,000 and you didn't expect that, but because you had the credit card, you've done it. You know, and we've done, I, the only reason I bring these examples up is because these, done are, these, these are things that John and I have well, done. Well, I'm, I'm to blame. I, I can tell you how many times I've told friends, hey, just come to happy hour. Just have one drink with us. Just have one drink and then you can go. And then the only reason that you do that is because you know, well, come have one drink and the chances are they're going to have at least one more. So you might, you know, you'll have be able to spend a good hour or more with your friend that they probably couldn't afford or the other dollars or the time. You know, it's a financial equivalent of just sticking to tipping. You know, <laughs> <laughs> when does that ever okay. work? Right. <laughs> <laughs> just stick to tipping. Well, that never actually happens, right? So just come to have one drink or just, you know, just spend $20 here. That doesn't actually happen. It's all that does is just warm you up for doing what you probably subconsciously want to do anyway, but you know consciously you probably shouldn't do. Right. And that's why I use that analogy. Right. Well, <laughs> and it's kind of funny because it makes me think think of our Monday Money Minute where we talked about money chunking mm -hmm. and how to, if you have a budget for a certain amount of money for a category, let's say your social spending, and let's say your social spending amount is $100 for a two-week period, if you walk out the door on Friday night with that $100 and you head to happy hour, what do you think are the like, is the likelihood that you will come back with enough money for next weekend? It's very, you know, it's just like, it's like John sitting down with a pint of Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> we know what's going to happen <laughs> to the whole pint. Dave is going to get two bites of it and he's going to go, huh, where's the rest of it? I don't know where you learned to use ice cream, but a pint is one serving. <laughs> so that's a whole idea of of just blowing it all in in one sitting. I mean, it's very easy for you to blow your your whole budget unless you have some forethought. Yeah, and I think and it's one, actually not that hard. You just have to, like we said last week, be conscious about it. Right. You know how much you make. You know how much you have to spend. You know how much you have available in excess of what your your necessities are, and then you like you said. You need to spread that, spread that out through your pay period. Whether you get paid every other week, you get paid twice a month, or you get paid once a month. Right, and I think a lot of this has to do with the expectations we have in our head about what everybody else expects us to do. Right. You know, we we had a Christmas slash holiday party recently here at our house for 
a group of uh, individuals in the Denver area or in the in Colorado who are part of the personal finance community, and not everyone in the in the group lives very frugally. We all focus on helping people live better fi financial lives, but not everyone focuses on living frugally. And when the group came over and we had, John and I had a very nice spread of food out, cheese and crackers and uh, fruits and vegetables and lots of, a variety of different things and meats and all that kind of stuff. And I made a comment to the one of the, one of our guests that all of this costs us less than $60 and she was surprised that we could put on such a nice event for roughly 8 to 10 people for 60 bucks and so the whole idea was that the expectation was in in my head was I want to do this in a nice way but I can also do it economically and that's I think that's one of the things that John and I started to focus on when we started to live below our means we started to figure out what were the tricks that we could use to still live a good life and live below our means. If you've heard our money mantra or you've seen it on our website, our money mantra is live debt free, have fun, be money conscious. And the good thing is they're right there in the middle. You can have fun as well as live debt free and be money conscious. Yeah, I think very, very often this, this conversation of living below your means can come across as lecturing, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, what we really want people to do is live full, abundant, happy, exciting, fun lives. Right. But very often, for many of us, that equates to being mired in credit card debt or mired in student loan debt or all sorts of, 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 of financial constraints, but that doesn't have to be the case. If we are conscious about our spending, conscious about our lifestyle, just living consciously, and if we have... Uh, if we know how or know the tips and the tricks and the tools to live below our means, then we can have a great lifestyle. I mean, the great analogy is Dave and I had $51,000 worth of credit card debt. And we, for all intents and purposes, we were living a great life. We didn't realize, though, that we were spending $10,000 a year financing that credit card debt. So when we paid off that $51,000, essentially we gave ourselves a $10,000 raise. Now, if any of us got a $10,000 raise from our boss, you go into work on Monday and your boss says, come into the office. I want to let you know we decided to give you a $10,000 raise. Well, I know probably 95% of us <laughs> would say, I'm taking the rest of the day off, and you're going to go get your loved one or your, your, your children or, or whatever, and you're going to go have a grand day, if not grand week, celebrating that $10,000 raise. But many of us are living on stu student loan debt, student credit card debt, or some other kind of debt, and we don't understand how much it costs to finance that debt. And if we pay that off, we could live a much more abundant, much more fun lifestyle than we could before. And again, you know, we, we when we had that $51,000 worth of credit card debt, we were living in a basement apartment. That's about as much as we could afford at that time because we were living paycheck to paycheck. After we paid off that $51,000 worth of credit card debt, we were able to save enough money that we were able to buy a, a condo that took us from the basement apartment to the 12th floor that of a high rise in Denver that overlooks the Rocky Mountains and downtown Denver. And the only way that we could do that was because we paid off our debt and we gave ourselves that $10,000 raise. And that's so that's so while it may sound lecturing to say live below your means, that's just the tool so that you can have the big fun amazing lifestyle that we all want. Right. That's the trick. 
live below your means, and you can live far better than you can otherwise. Right. And I think there were a number of tools that John and I used to make that happen. One of the things that we did is we really rethought the way that we went grocery shopping. And shopping in general, but specifically grocery shopping, because John and I were spending about $400 a week on dining out and grocery shopping. Really? That's for two people. Why were we spending $400 a week on dining out and grocery shopping? And one of the things that we found is that we would regularly go to the grocery store, buy food, bring it home, and then... A day or two later, we were back at the grocery store. A day or two later, we were back at the grocery store because we weren't buying the food that we actually wanted or we weren't buying the food that was, we would actually consume that was good for us, things that, would, that we wanted to eat or that, that was, uh, allowed us to satiate our desire for food. And when we decided to come up with a menu and shop with a menu and be prepared with our food, that allowed us not only to cut down on our grocery costs, but it also meant that we started stopped going out to eat so much because we were actually enjoying what we were having at home and cooking for ourselves. Yeah, it was just, you know, again, it, it's, it's about living below your means. But what that was, was also about was just simply being conscious. We had no idea that we were spending that much on food, dining out, groceries, until we did the spending analysis spreadsheet that you mentioned earlier in the podcast. And once we did that spending analysis, we, we the, the amount that we were spending on uh, groceries, dining out, wine, and happy hour was, was astronomical. And we thought, geez, if we even cut these back a little bit, we can put that whatever it is that we save in each of those categories towards our $51,000 worth of credit card debt. We could pay that off much more quickly than we ever thought. Right. And and the other thing that we did is we found that, like I said earlier, we, we still wanted to have fun. So we found ways that we could still go out to eat, go to activities with our friends, go out and enjoy a good life, but do it for a lot less. And there's a lot of tools that help you do that. I think of Groupon, Living Social. There's a, there's calendars of free events for most cities. If you go to your city website, there's, they're filled with activities that the city has sponsored, whether it's concerts in the park or free days at the zoo or certain museums. You can always find activities to do that are cheap or free that allow you to still have a full life and be able to pay off your debt or save money for the future. Yeah, and, and I'll say that, you know, sometimes when, you say, when somebody suggests, well, go to the museum for free on the free day or go to the park and listen to free music in the park during the free day, it, on, on the surface, it might sound corny, but it's really all about the people you take with you. And if you Are find... You calling my friends corny? <laughs> yeah, and that's why they're fun. <laughs> but... You know, if you're going with the right people, you're going with the right crowd, you invite the right people to go with you, every, any event that you do is fun, and any event that takes you out of your house, or even an event that you have at your house, if you do it consciously, and you do it within your budget, it can be just as fun as anything where you're living extravagantly. Exactly. So, uh, th this is this principle that we talked about this week is live below your means. As David mentioned earlier in the podcast, the free downloadable this week that we're offering is our funding analysis. The spending analysis grid is one of the very first exercises that we did. David went through all of our, 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 our expenses for uh, the past year uh, when we started this. He went through all of our credit cards statements, all of our bank account statements, um, tried to itemize all of our ATM expenses. And when we 
put all of these expenses in the spending analysis. That's when we were able to, to see exactly how we were spending our money and when we realized that there were some categories that we were spending way beyond what was reasonable for any human being. <laughs> we were spending much more in dining out and, and wine than any person ever needed to. And Once we were able to see the disparity, we were able to put our, our, get our spending in order and then we were able to use that savings, like I said earlier, to pay, do, pay down our debt. And like we said earlier, something that can't go on forever won't. And if you continue to live beyond your means, it'll eventually catch up with you. And if you live below your means, quite honestly, you can live a much better life for a much longer period of time um, than you can if you're living beyond your means. And it may not make sense. Why would living below my means mean I'll have a bigger and better life? It's because the money that you save, you can put to work for you. And when your money works for you, it grows faster than anything that you could ever spend on that would bring you enjoyment. You're going to save um, the amount of money that allows you to do those bigger and better things, the fun things that you really want to do. I, I think that think back to when John and I first paid off our debt. When we were finally at zero, we rewarded ourselves. We timed it perfectly. We rewarded ourselves with a vacation to Mexico for John's best friend's wedding. And we went down there with everything paid for, and we came back and everything was paid for. There was no vacation hangover stress yeah. because we were thinking about how do we pay this off. That was one of our best vacations because when we got back, there was no subtle regret. Right. You know, it wasn't you no know, 15 remorse. or 30 days later where we got a bill and we're like, oh, shit, I'm never going to pay that off. Right. You know, we came back and we both knew, because we were very conscious about it, that there was nothing to pay off, and that made the vacation that much better right so um it's you know it sounds lecturing but we're telling i'm telling you it's 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 a much better way to live your life and it's critical for the queer community to get its financial act in order as we often say in you know being a reader and, and writing for other publications that if you want to continue to fight the fight for equality that's going to take money and if we're if all of us or a majority of us are financially strapped to banks or to government agencies for student loans, we can't fight that fight for equality. We can't as passionately or as vigorously as we could if we had the funding. So it's imperative for us to have individuals better quality of lives and for us as a community to have a better quality of life to for all of us to be financially secure. So there's there's much more to this than simply you know us lecturing or or, or I was just telling you to live below your means. There's there's a there's a much bigger reason for all of this. So, um, so let us know what you th thought of this podcast. If you have any questions or comments, you can always uh, contact us directly by emailing us. Uh, if you go to the debtfreeguys.com contact page, you can email us directly. We're also on Facebook. You can contact us there also at debtfreeguys, and then also on Twitter at debtfreeguys. So get connected to us however you want or however you need. If you have any questions or comments, let us know. Um, but don't forget, after, after the show, go immediately to our show notes at debtfreeguys.com and download the spending analysis worksheet and do the first exercise that we did to pay off our $51,000 worth of credit card debt so that you can get yourself uh, in financial order as well. Right. And so this show has been about living below your means. One of the keys that John and I used to live below our means is what we're going to discuss next week. So make sure you join us next week as we talk about the third principle that allowed us to really focus on understanding how we could live below our means. And we again, we'll have another free tool for you to use next week.
Thanks. Living below your means doesn't need to be daunting. It can actually be a lot of fun. Download the free spending analysis worksheet on our site. Use it as a basis to finding out what you like to spend on, how you can cut back, and find awesome ways to still have fun while being money conscious, just like we did when we paid off $51,000 in credit card debt. Have a great week. Okay. We just serviced you. Now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle newsletter at queer.money. Well, I'm not really gay. Would <laughs> <laughs> help me if I had a personal chef made all the all the puppy meals for me. Right. So instead, I'll have a Snickers and everything. <laughs> <laughs> the other end, I like the butts. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.